Red Giant, how are you feeling? You got to cover a really interesting team, a good team. You got to cover home playoff games. You got to cover a team that probably should have won its first playoff series. How do you feel about this team now that the season is is over? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that the, the very big picture is that this season, in, comp- in comparison really to any of the other 16 that I've covered with the Wolves, was by far, I think, the most enjoyable. Um, in terms of an unexpected success, in terms of just the way the team played, in terms of kind of the the progress that you that you saw from so many players, and and really kind of the emergence of Chris Finch as a really good coach, you look at all of those things and you say this you know, this was a very good kind of foundation lane season for the Wolves, and you just so rarely see them exceed expectations that um, all in all, very, very enjoyable. And in the first round of the playoffs, that was hyper competitive. It was, it was, they were right in so many of the games. You could argue they could have won four or even five of those games. They didn't. But um, so from, from all of those, those things you say, yes, awesome. You know, I would take that season over any of the others that I've covered to be quite honest with you um, with the wolves that said, I mean, Look, it, it it ended disappointingly. Um, the the ability they they legitimately had a chance to beat the Grizzlies, and they could still be playing and playing Golden State um, if they had kind of that clutch gene or or that ability to close or whatever you want to call it. And they feels like they left wins on the table there. So um, to see kind of the way that went down, to see the way that D'Angelo Russell played down the stretch, to see some of those things, it definitely kind of um, tarnished things just a little bit. But I think all in all, overall, you say um, when the season started, would you have ta- would would you have called this exact circumstance a success? And I would say you would recall it a resounding success. No doubt about it. This is the John Krasinski show. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suham from The Star Tribune. Our producer is Brandon Morton from TalkNorth.com. This is a TalkNorth.com production. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. We do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app when you listen. It's the easiest way. It is free. And thanks to our sponsors, Head Flyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped, and All Energy Solar. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Russell is now kind of the... the uh, the flashpoint for this team, you know, he he's and maybe he's always been because, you know, the, of the Wiggins trade, because of his relationship with Towns, because he's a very talented guy, uh, but he can disappoint you at times. I will say that I was very disappointed the way he played. I thought the point guard should have taken uh, take a veteran point guard should have taken command of some of these situations. A veteran point guard probably finds a way to win a couple of these games. If Russell plays better, they maybe they advance. Uh, so what? What do you do at this point? Russell's got one year left on his contract at a very high cost. Could you move him? Do you bring him back and just hope he he learned from this? What do you do? Well, I, I mean, I do think that they will, you know, that they'll have all of these conversations. You look at in the six games against the Grizzlies, he's, he averaged 12 points, 6.7 assists. I uh, shot 38% from three, so that's good. But um, but uh, from field, think, from just yeah. fr- from overall the field, 33%. I mean, that's yep. not even nearly good enough. Um, and and you're right, Jim. I just think that in this um, you know, in, in this series and really late in the season against really good teams, outside of the play-in game against the Clippers, you saw a player 
who just kind of continually was on the downslope of the season. He couldn't find a way to pull himself out of whatever struggles that he was having, and you needed an organizer. You needed a quarterback of the offense to get good shots, to run the offense. I mean, that was the difference in the Grizzlies series, was that John Morant knew what to do, and some of that wasn't even necessarily running like this exotic offense. It was just, I see that I can get to the rim and draw fouls, and that's what I'm going to do. And D'Angelo Russell wasn't that guy. He finished the, the series on the bench um, well, for Jordan McLaughlin. He's making 30-plus million dollars a year. You can't have that. So um, I asked Chris Finch at his uh, uh, season-ending press conference, uh, you know, just what he thought overall of – their ability to get all three of their high-profile players, Edwards, Towns, Russell, going in the same game. It very rarely happened this season. Usually, you know, you'd see two of them have a good game and one be really quiet. and Or, you know, one just really play well and the other two struggle. And they never really got all three clicking at once. And, and Finch agreed with that. He just said that, that for whatever reason, that it was a hard thing for this team to do was to get all three players playing really well in the same game. And that doesn't mean they all had to score 25 plus points and, and shoot the ball really well, but you just never felt like all three were super involved in the game at the same time. And so I do think that the Timberwolves are going to explore their options. He is ex eligible for an extension um, off of that, off of that deal. And he was making max money. There's no way he's going to make max money um, for, you know, for his next contract. And so then it becomes a matter of, I would think they have to have those conversations first. What kind of a contract is D'Angelo Russell looking for? And if it becomes clear that there is not common ground there, that's when you really do have to look at all of your options. And that includes possibly trading him um, because you want to make sure that the camaraderie and the chemistry that was so prevalent in this team all season long is not compromised. And if there is a way to get him um, at a lower number that the Timberwolves feel good about, that D'Angelo Russell feels good about, then maybe you kind of keep going forward and see if there's just other things you can do around them to, to kind of get, um, get this team over the hump. But uh, if it looks at all like any kind of negotiations are going to be contentious or or bring about some sort of disappointment that could bleed into the season, then I think all options have to be on the table. And and so I do think that they'll look at all of that and see, you know, see what what they can do before they make a final decision on it. But um, but yeah, because of the way that he finished the season you have to start to look at D'Angelo Russell as not necessarily like a franchise player, certainly like Gerson Rosas looked at him, and more as a supporting cast player. And will that situation work or not? That is that is a big question that needs to be answered here in the next couple of months before they kind of get going with their roster adjustments. And how would you rate his defensive performance overall and in the playoffs? I would say he was much better this season overall in aggregate than he had been uh, for most of his career. I th so that's a credit to Russell and a credit to Finch and Elson Turner and Kevin Hansen for kind of constructing a scheme that 
Russell could be um, effective in. He was a really good communicator. He's a very smart player in terms of being able to recognize what other teams are trying to do, what they're going, you know, what what kind of sets they're going to bring to the table and and what they're going to run that way. So he was better. Um, but there were certainly still stretches and some in the playoffs as well where he just didn't provide enough resistance. Um, I, he does not have a ton of athleticism. And so when he is facing kind of bigger, stronger, quicker players, he, some, he, he, he struggles to hold up to those. And one of the things that I do think also hurt the Wolves in this series was that they needed some help from him on the defensive glass. You know, they, the, the guards have to help uh, in in the in the Wolves rebounding scheme to make it a, a, at all possible for them to to kind of not get just bludgeoned to death by the Grizzlies on the offensive glass and he had uh, five uh, rebounds in Game Three and so that was solid but the rest of them you know he finished the the final three games of the season with two two and one and that's just not enough and and he was not strong enough and not physical enough in that area and that, you know, he, it wasn't his own, only his fault. There were plenty of other people that were involved in this, but Russell, they needed him to use his long arms, his relatively good size at six, four to get in there and, and, and help them on the glass. And he just couldn't. And so that was a big problem for them while they were trying to close out defensive possessions. And the Grizzlies were getting shot after shot after shot on the offensive end. So if Russell comes back, I mean, you know, I would move him if I could, but if he comes back, you know, but the easy thing to do is bring him back and hope things get better. If he get, if he comes back, where does this team improve enough to win a playoff series against a really good team? Yeah, I mean, if you decide to bring him back in some capacity, um, then you have to really look harder at the front court. Um you know, Jared Vanderbilt had a wonderful season. He you know, is a such a kind of energizer bunny. He really is a tone setter for them when it comes to playing defense, when it comes to rebounding, and it comes to just all-out effort. It, very, very important. But they clearly need more size. They clearly need um, more toughness and, and rim protection next to Carl Anthony Towns. And whether that means you're playing Carl Anthony Towns more at the four and you're bringing in more of a traditional five or you're sticking Towns at the five, which I believe is probably going to be the plan, and then looking for a kind of more rugged, uh, bigger, you know, maybe somewhere in the 6'10", 6'11 range, uh, you know, power forward who can rebound and, and, and provide toughness and provide some kind of bulk because – the Grizzlies, it, when they, when the game mattered the most in the fourth quarter of games, the Grizzlies just dominated the glass against the Timberwolves. And there were games in in a hole where they were able to hold up and they were able to just out-hustle and kind of do things like that. But that's not a very recipe for a long-term success for, for a team. It, you have to have size. You have to have strength. You have to have muscle. You have to have tenacity. And I, so I think that if, if the other parts of your starting lineup are going to stay the same, you really got to take a long, hard look at adding a real kind of 
defensive minded, big time front court player next to Towns and and um and then using Vanderbilt more as a versatile Swiss Army knife off the bench type of a situation just to see if uh see if that will kind of bring a few a few more results and a little bit more um defensive efficiency and maybe even give you a little bit more presence on the offensive glass as well. I have many more questions, but let's talk about Head Flyer Brewing. Yeah, so Head Flyer Brewing uh, on Hennepin Avenue Northeast in Northeast Minneapolis, right near 35W, uh, it has been open now, just recently celebrated its fifth anniversary. Wow. Um, and, you know, had a, some music, had a bunch of people uh, down at the uh, at the tap room, a wonderful, nice, wide open, airy, bright tap room with wonderful beers. And they are not stopping the celebration. They continue to have... A lot of the anniversary beers that they brought out for that celebration continue to be on tap. They have five on it. It's a five-hop hazy IPA featuring five different hop varieties, including three cryo hops for huge tropical flavor and a smooth finish. They have five-layer scoop. A scoop smoothie sour series returns with a banana split-inspired smoothie sour and cryo juicy. We added cryo citra and cryo Eldorado hops to the classic it was all a dream juicy ipa and so you can go in there you can stop in even though the timberwolves are not playing anymore they'll still have some nba playoffs on the big screen in the tap room you can still get some crunch time the collaboration that the john krasinski show has with uh with head flyer brewing you can get it on tap you can get it in a pint you can bring it home with you in a growler or a crowler you can grab some sweet merchandise some great timberwolves inspired t-shirts some twins inspired shirts things of that nature. It's Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis, right on uh, Hennepin Avenue, Northeast, and 35W. Tell them the John Krasinski Show sent you, and go get yourself a great beer as soon as it warms up here, which I think is right around the corner. Thanks, as always, to TSR Injury Law 612-TSR-TIME. We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR Injury Law help me if I'm hit by a driver with no insurance? Yes. How about if not enough insurance? Yep. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR time. And thanks also to Memorial Blood Center doing all that important work in the Twin Cities. Local Duncan locations generously donated vouchers to recognize community members who give back through blood and platelet donations with Memorial Blood Centers. The blood supply continues to be low, and Memorial Blood Centers encourages the community to make a donation. Your donation will help patients in need. I made a donation back in December. I was in and out within 40 minutes. It's the easiest thing to do. During the month of April, Duncan is offering all presenting donors a voucher for a medium Duncan coffee for giving blood. Plus, one lucky donor will win free coffee for a year. So don't miss out. Schedule your appointment online today at mbc.org donate or call 1-888-GIVE-BLOOD. That's 1-888-448-3253. The other fascinating development in a playoff series, and we should we all should have known it's coming, but I kind of didn't because I didn't really think of that that way, is they shortened, they they had great depth all year. They shortened the bench in the playoffs, and some key players barely played. Uh, do you think that is just the way it is, or do you think if Finch had it to do all over again, he might incorporate you know, a little more Noel, maybe a little Kogi here. They just not fit in this in the series. Yeah, I just I just didn't see that being a a big issue, Jim. Usually in the playoffs, 
your rotation does shrink. And I think one of the strengths of this team, as you said, has been their depth, has been their versatility and their ability to kind of mix and match a little bit more. Um, and But um, w- with, you know, Noel, Akogi, even Torian Prince, who played some short minutes in this series or, or was, you know, essentially completely out of the rotation in game six, I, I didn't see kind of the spot where you said, oh, you really needed them. Now, he did make a mistake in game three not playing Jordan McLaughlin mm-hmm. uh, a, a, as things come. And he admitted that was that was a that was a mistake, and he rectified that the rest of the way, getting McLaughlin in the game, um, certainly having him being a very a big part of the closing lineup in game six as well. But um, you know, you could argue that maybe Jalen Noel could have helped them just get some buckets um, in you know in the second halves of games when the offense really did dry up uh, the way that it did. He's kind of more of an ISO scorer and 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 crafty and and creative enough to to get a few more uh, points for them that may have been able to hold them off. But it's really hard to not be in the rotation and then just thrust into it in a huge high leverage spot and say, "Go save us." Um, with a Kogi, you know, I, I just didn't, you know, he he's such a good defensive player, but I didn't think that necessarily, you know, one-on-one defense was a very big issue for them for most of the um, series. I thought they did a great job on John Morant for most mm-hmm. of these series. I thought they did a really good job on Jaron Jackson. Desmond Bain obviously had a great series, and um, but you're not going to be able to stop every single player on a really good team. And, and so... Uh, because Okogi's offense is so limited, I just don't think that he would have been sort of the the switch to flip to kind of get him in there and 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 unstick what was going on from an ISO heavy hero ball centric you know late game offense. And so um, I know that Finch was kind of trying to look and see if there are any of those options available to him, but I I don't think any of those presented the magic bullet for them. They needed someone who could come in and grab a defensive rebound for them or um, someone maybe who could hit some shots. And, you know, Malik Beasley's struggles were kind of under the radar as well. He didn't play well in the last four games of the series. And so not having his shot making, not having D'Angelo Russell uh, playing very well, like that was, those were the culprits in, in, in the loss here and not, kind of any anyone sitting on the bench who 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 could have turned the tides. So what do you do with J-Mac now? He ended up having a great second half, an excellent playoff series when he did play. He came up big in big situations. He distributes the ball. He's efficient. He's also about 5'9". Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, Finch put it well in his, in his post-mortem um, on Saturday and just saying that, yes, we, we know that J-Mac, Jordan McLaughlin is a, is a, tremendous backup point guard. And I think that's what he is. Um, you know, I know there's probably some Timberwolves fans that just say, uh, trade d and put him in the starting lineup. And I'm not there, Jim. I, I think that, you know, he is a very good change of pace. He is really good in maybe that, you know, 25 minute range type of a, of a role, 20 to 25 minutes. Um, and he can run an offense and he can be a guy that, when things are bogged down, you put him in and he gets things going. But I think that, you know, they need someone 
at starting point guard, whether it's D'Angelo Russell, where, whether it's someone else who it maybe has a little bit more size, um, maybe has a little bit more reliability from a scoring standpoint. J-Mac had the unbelievable game in, um, in I think it was you know game five or game, no, it was game four. Game four, um, yeah. Where he, yeah, he hit four threes. That was, that was incredible. It was a great performance. It's not something that you can rely on from him to do. And so uh, I just think that they have found and discovered that they have a legitimate backup point guard in jail in Jordan McLaughlin, which is important. Like you, you absolutely need that on a really good team. Um, but that, you know, he's not the answer for a full-time starting point guard, I don't think. And, and so they'll have to go and find something um, either, either that is already on the roster with an improved ELO or someone outside of it to come in and be more of a quarterback style with that, with that first unit get Edwards and Towns a little more kind of of, of the featured roles. And, and maybe that will kind of help iron out some of the wrinkles that, that we saw from them in the playoffs offensively. What do you do with Nas Reed? He, he had some nice stretches this year. He, he's, you know, a big guy who can shoot, run the floor, but he didn't seem to match up well with Memphis. Is he still a part of this thing going forward, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's another one that's up in the air. Um, he did not have a good series. Um, and I think that, of all the players on the roster over the last three years, Nas Reed has improved as much as any of them. Uh, you know, he came in with some foot injuries. He was uh, a little overweight, all those things. He has reshaped his body into, you know, being very sleek. Um, he has worked tirelessly on his game. He's, at, you know, he's, he's a reliable three-point shooter. He's got a lot of great footwork around the rim, but, what they needed most uh, in that role against this team was size, was bulk, was all of that. And and Reed just could not grab rebounds in big spots. Um, and and so, you know, I think honestly, Jimmy, if like let's say the the Wolves had advanced and played the Warriors in the second round, I think that's a much better series for Nas Reed. Mm-hmm. I think he could be he could have been really effective in a, in a backup role in, in that series, because the Warriors don't have any real size to counteract with him. But when you have, and it's not like, um, the Grizzlies were stocked with seven footers, but they just have these hyper athletic guys that can, uh, that are really tenacious that attack the boards. And that's where Reed was exposed. So, um, what the Wolves will have to do this off season is look at, Hey, what are our options in terms of whether it is, uh, starting power forward next to Towns, or if it is something of, hey, maybe we just need to bring in a backup center that can play more minutes and we can rotate in and out and play alongside Towns a little bit more and more of a two-big lineup, then that might mean Reed goes somewhere else. Because one of the things that happens, Jim, when you're trying to make trades is you got to give something to get something in general. And, and so having... Nas Reed should have suitors and have teams interested in him on the open market. He's a good player in the right situation. He can be a really good player and productive for you uh, off the bench, but they, they just might need something a little bit different in terms of a fit for them, which may lead them to have to move Reed to create some minutes and some space for someone that's a little bit more of a traditional big man. 
that all makes sense. Uh, I want to ask about Anthony Edwards next. First, I want to let you know that we're heading into the spring and summer building and remodeling seasons when considering property upgrades for home or business. Solar should be under consideration. Some facts to consider. Most home improvement projects don't pay for themselves until the property is sold. Solar pays back regardless of property sale. Most systems are warrantied for 25 to 30 years. After 30 years of operation, solar could have paid back 300 to 400% of the cost. It's just a good idea. You at least want to explore it by checking out allenergysolar.com. That's allenergysolar.com. It will improve the resale value of your home. It will save you money in the process. Probably the most optimistic view you can take of this team right now to me is just saying, okay, yeah, they they just folded in a playoff series, but you know, they won 43 games. They gave a good team a run and Anthony Edwards is going to turn 21. And if he figures some things out, maybe he solves a lot of the problems all by himself. Yeah. I, I think that's the takeaway, Jim. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that some Timberwolves fans out there sort of lost track of because the Wolves played the Grizzlies so tough and had so many double-digit leads going into fourth quarters is you kind of forget that, oh, by the way, this was a 2-7 series. Mm -hmm. Like, this was, the Wolves were decided underdogs in this series. The Grizzlies are had the second-best record in the NBA during the regular season. So uh, the Wolves didn't choke uh, this away. The Grizzlies are just really good. But it, within that series and within the, the career of an NBA player, they all... All of the great ones take their lumps in the playoffs before they have success. I mean, that just is just what happens. You get in there, you understand and, and see how different that the playoff game is compared to the regular season game, the intensity, all of those things, the pressure, the attention, everything that you have to navigate there. And you make some mistakes, you take some losses, and then you come back and you learn from those and get ready to take the next step. And I think that that is what you can say about Anthony Edwards because Anthony Edwards was by and large really, really good in this series. Um, you know, he was a guy who did not seem to be kind of shaken by the moment. It did not seem to be too big for him. He seemed to be ready from a competitive standpoint. And I mean, to put up, 30 in the last game, 36 in the first game, you had 24 in in the in the game in game in the game four win. Like he was really, really good. Um, rebounding, assists, like all of these things. He, everything that he showed out there says this is a future franchise player. Now, there were still um moments in a lot of these games where it showed that he wasn't quite ready down the stretch in game six. He forced a lot of shots instead of moving the ball because he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to get get after it and and kind of save the day. Obviously, in game five, the the decision to try to go for the steal on John Morant rather than playing him straight up turned it out to be a huge mistake. That that one of the reasons that they lost that game. And so, uh, but the, these are mistakes of youth. These are mistakes of ambition. Um, it's not a mistake of, you know, being, being incapable of doing something great. And so I do think that the huge improvement that we saw between seasons one and two with Anthony Edwards shows that he is 
a student of the game that he understands his weaknesses and goes to work on them. And I think he will do that a lot more between seasons two and three. And um, the mentality, the physical prowess, the all of the, the things that you want out of a franchise player, Anthony Edwards showed those in, in, in big stretches of this series. And so they will come into next season you know, with bigger expectations, but also I think it's a reason for the belief that everything that the Timberwolves did this season was a building block going forward and not sort of a flash in the pan is because you have 20-year-old Anthony Edwards, you have 21-year-old Jaden McDaniels coming up huge in game six as well. And you have to think that if the two of them can grow together, um, and and really kind of emerge as, you know, maybe Anthony Edwards is a perennial all-star. Maybe J- Jane McDaniels is a high-end starter. And 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 if things go right, can can be an all-star, you know, down the road sometime. Now you have the building blocks with Carl Anthony Towns to be really formidable. And that's that is why I believe that this is kind of the start of something and not just, you know, a fluky flash in the pan kind of a situation. Yeah, I was really impressed with McDaniels because you knew he'd come in and play a nice floor game, but he he was also willing and able to step up and hit three-pointers and make big shots as well. I mean, that's yeah, that's huge. I mean, we have seen him be a great defender at times for much of the first two years of his career. He deals with foul trouble a little bit and and all of that, but his ability to emerge as a two-way player and this kind of guy who – in the chaos of a of an intense playoff series just seems to be so cool and calm and collected and can knock down shots and can get to the rim and and can make cuts away from the ball i mean that's where i think it it's really tantalizing to to think of where jane mcdaniels can go is that he seems to be a very smart cerebral player he's still kind of understanding how to get away with um, with fouls and how to how to limit that part of his game, I think he still needs to get a little stronger and be a little bit better of a rebounder. But the the kind of the stitching in his game that holds it all together and the ability to in very big moments take shots and make them without even blinking. Who boy, um, you know the size, the mentality, like all of that stuff. Uh, I really think the Timberwolves have a great one there. And he is, uh, you know, who said uh, on Saturday after, as we were um, interviewing all these guys, Pat Beverly has taken him kind of uh, to LA this, this summer and is going to work out with Kawhi Leonard, which I mean, that has to be an incredibly beneficial thing for, for a guy like Jaden McDaniels to, to kind of get in the lab with Kawhi and see what he works on and see how he operates um, so yeah, I, I think that you can see the makings of a player in Jane McDaniels, who is more than just a really good starter on a really good team. Like he could eventually develop into an all-star. I think that's not, um, out of the realm of possibility, given all of the traits that he has, there's still a lot that he has to do, but if they could, if, if that could happen, that really changes kind of the outlook for this team over the long haul in a dramatic fashion. I have a question about Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I think we have some great future topics for off-season podcasts. We'll talk a lot about the NBA playoffs. 
we will talk about uh, what it was like to be a beat writer covering this team. It's really interesting how the, the Timberwolves beat has evolved over the years with all kinds of different co- contributors. Uh, lots of stuff we're going to get to. But today, my final question will be about Carl Anthony Towns. Thanks again to Headflyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped, and All Energy Solar. Thanks again to Brandon Morton, our producer. So if you could add one wrinkle, listen, Towns is a, a very good player. If you could add one little wrinkle to his game coming back for next year, what would it be? Yeah, I, I just really do think it's got to be the continued composure improvement. I thought he made strides in that area this this season. He did mature some in the way that he handled things, but there were still too many points during this Memphis series where you could tell that he was getting rattled and that he was forcing things and it was detrimental to the team. I mean, everyone I think knows by now and listening to this podcast and reading what I write, I I am a fan of Carl Anthony Towns. I think he's a really, really good player who is probably over scrutinized in terms of, you know, people just looking at what he says in press conferences versus what he does on the court. And, and so um, I think he gets an unfair shake a lot of times in the way that his game is analyzed and his just whole career is analyzed. That said, uh, he should have been better uh, in these playoffs. He had a couple of really good games in games four and game one. Um, he was really good in game five down the stretch as well uh, and making some big shots. But he in game six, as the as the franchise centerpiece, he was uh, he was six for 19. And he was one for five in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't necessarily, I don't think, a situation where he was um, having an off shooting night necessarily or just, you know, just didn't have it that way. For me, it was more of it looked like he was pressing. It looked like he was trying to do too much and then getting in his own way. And so um, those are the games that he has to eliminate in playoff series as a either number one or number one, a option with Edwards. Like, you know, it's, you can have bad games in the playoffs that every star does have them. And so you don't hold them to the standard of never being able to stub their toe in a series, but game two, we had 15 points and five fouls game three, eight points, five fouls. Game six, 18 points, only you know, four fouls, but six for 19 um, and only one offensive rebound. 0 for three from three uh, shot selection down the stretch was 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 spotty. So um, I, I just want to see him kind of trust himself a little bit more, um, trust his teammates maybe a little bit more and not kind of get drawn into whether he is getting foul calls or not getting foul calls and and sort of what his teammates are doing and just calmly go and 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 influence himself impose himself on a game and we saw that plenty of times 28 in game four in game five 33 in game four 29 in game one he can do it i just want to see a little bit more consistency in that and Again, I thought he I thought he made huge strides overall this season with that, but he still has some improvement to do there to be the guy that you absolutely 100% rely on in the biggest of spots. 
No doubt. Uh, much more to get to on the roster, much to, more to get to about the NBA in general. And I have some, uh, some personal thoughts about uh, Minneapolis and being a basketball city, all that. We will get to that in future episodes. We do appreciate you listening to this show and for listening to TalkNorth.com. Also recommend the uh, Cheryl Reeves show and uh, all the other football shows and everything else we do. We, uh, John and I also do the Viking Update show where we'll be breaking down the Vikings draft this week. Once again, thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. Mm-hmm.